Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of She's the Barista. Yeah, hello. Very great to have you back. And hello to everyone who's listening for the first time. This podcast is kindly supported by Rancilio Group Germany. So thank you so much for making this possible. And this week, I have a very dear friend of mine. It actually felt a little bit like a reunion, like a family reunion, because I've already interviewed so many of our friends that we both have uh, in common. And she is known to me as a great MC. I think this is how I met her first on stage. And it evolved last year that she went on the other side of this stage. So she is the first time competitor in the Brewers Cup. And in her first competition, she immediately smashed it. She won the UK championship and she was in Melbourne at the World of Coffee. So we were competing together on the same stage. And before I talk too much about her, I'm just going to say hello. Hello, Sierra. And here she is. I'm really, really excited to have her as my guest. Hello, Sierra. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I already said that you and I went to the same competition this year and you are currently the UK Brewers Cup champion. Congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> um, Sierra, maybe to start off this podcast right, you can tell us a little bit about who you are Um where you're from and where you're based at at the moment and how you started working with coffee. Sure. So um, I'm Sierra and I, I'm from Singapore and I only started working in coffee after I left Singapore and moved to the United Kingdom where I was based for nine years, so a pretty long time. Um, and that was kind of when I got into coffee. Um, I started out just working you know, front of house, behind the till at a, like a deli cafe. And then someone put me on the machine one day and I just never left it. And I graduated from uni and, you know, decided that I didn't want to continue uh, pursuing my degree in linguistics. So I just kept doing coffee. Like I just made my part-time job a full-time job. Um, so yeah. And then I've been based in London uh, for the last five years and only very recently made the move, uh, made a permanent move to Switzerland, where I'm currently based now in Zurich. So was there like a magic coffee moment uh, working in that deli where you're like, oh, this is what I really want to do? I mean, I burned that cappuccino so badly. <laughs> <laughs> that very first cappuccino I ever made, I didn't know what I was doing. But it was just the idea that I could do better. And that, mm. I think it was just, you know, being very stubborn. <laughs> That's kind of why I stayed. And I remember that at the end of your time uh, in the UK, you also worked for a big plant mill company. Is that correct? Yes. So my very latest job um, was uh, working as the coffee specialist for Alpro UK. Some of you may already know they're quite big in Europe. Um, and it is a multi-ingredient company. So it's not just one ingredient like soy or oat. We actually do, uh, well, they actually uh, did a big range of ingredients. And I worked there for three years. Um, and my job was to really 
explore the world of coffee with plant-based pairings because it's growing so much more popular today. And I don't think that we've, it's something that we as an industry have explored a lot. So that was my job. That's so cool. I mean, that's like an amazing example for a young barista to swap their daily cafe job because this is one thing that a lot of people always ask me. They're like, I want to be a barista, but then I also want to have a career afterwards. Um, so how did you get into this job? I, I mean, I think completely by accident. It was, oh. it was something that a friend, uh, it was a role that a friend recommended And I remember at the time, you know, I think everyone that feels deeply about coffee and wants to make it a career kind of has to make that move away from the bar at that point, because working mm. behind the bar can be very taxing and, and, and not a lot of countries or places support people being career baristas. You know, mm. there's very few countries in the world with a minimum wage to support that or an hourly wage to support that. So you know, when this friend of mine uh, recommended me this, you know, trying out to try out for this job, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. I, I'm not vegan or anything. Like, why would I, why would I go for that? Um, and that's kind of, I'm very glad I was proven wrong. And mm. I love that, you know, the world of plant-based coffees isn't just for people who are strictly vegetarian or strictly vegan it can be for anyone wanting to make a more positive change um, for the environment so that was kind of what opened my eyes to it um, yeah and with this job obviously you could also um, visit a lot of the conventions that are um, based around food drinks and coffee and I remember the first time I actually encountered you um I think, first of all, Wendelin, who's a dear friend of mine yeah. and friend of yours, she came to me in a, on a convention. She said, you should meet Sierra. You'd really, really, really like her. And then I realized that you were emceeing the competitions. And this is how I started to know you, because you're great with the microphone and you can really entertain a crowd. Oh, um, and I guess that was your way to experience the world championships is that correct yes and actually you know it sounds like we met ages ago but this was just last year yeah exactly. this was barely even a year ago which is, which <laughs> yeah. is so stunning um so I remember that you uh, were competing last year in the world brews cup and that was actually my first ever time experiencing worlds I'd never been to a world coffee championship ever in my life you know not Amsterdam not not anything before um so that was completely wild to me. And I was very lucky to get to see the back end of it, you know, from a from an MC's perspective. They were looking for MCs and I was like, oh, you know, what the hell, why not? <laughs> um, and I did it. And I think that's genuinely what got me excited for comps because I, I saw you on stage and, you know, so many other talented competitors really just working their guts out. And that was just mesmerizing for me. <laughs> So would you say that was the moment where you decided that you want to do it as well? I think it, it was the start of something, but at the time I was still too scared. I think I was still too, I felt too much of an imposter to actually take that step. So it was still a couple of months <laughs> before I was like, okay, I'll sign up. Because um, there was something this year that moved you and that made you do the step not as an MC, but as a competitor. How 
what motivated you? How did you get into it? Who did you meet to like trigger this? And yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey to to step up on the stage as a competitor. So it was, like I said, it started kind of as an MC. And what I found I didn't want to waste was the idea that I was very comfortable on stage. So someone mm -hmm. that, you know, had a, had a theater background and a drama background, I was like, well, I don't get the shakes like most people do. You know, I can hold mm -hmm. myself pretty well in front of a crowd. So that seems to be a very important skill set when you're on stage as a barista competitor or a brewer's competitor. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, maybe we should make use of that. And then um, I had also been surrounded by a lot of um, talented female competitors within the, the UK coffee scene where I was still based. So that was always on the fringes. Um, and people were always like, yeah, you should compete. And I think at the time, I didn't think that I was cut out to compete because I'm a terrible loser. <laughs> and I've realized that this year as well, <laughs> I'm just so bad at taking losing gracefully. But that is why I think there's no losing in coffee. There's no I'm, losing. <laughs> oh, you say that, but I'm like, oh, there's certainly a not winning in coffee. There's, so. there's certainly a not winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there was that. But then I think the the biggest catalyst was um, meeting my part my current partner uh, Matt, who was. Uh, the World Brewers Cup champion last year. And, you know, we had actually met uh, at Milan that year. And that's kind of how we, we started seeing each other. But then competition became a very central focus of, you know, what we talked about, what we were passionate about. And I think at that point, we're at that level in coffee, competition seems to be the thing you move towards um, for a lot of people who want to either broaden their connections in the industry or get better at what they're doing. Um, so yeah, that came up very naturally. And then Matt was just like, Hey babe, do you want to, do you want to maybe try it before you knock it? Because I was just like, I'm never going to compete. This is not my thing. Um, and then he was just like, but you haven't even tried it yet. So how can you know that you don't like it? And that, and that was the, the beginning of the end. And it would have been an absolute waste because you are so great on stage. And um, yeah, as you said, you're an absolute lateral. You don't get the shakes. You are just just a very likable person on stage as well. So I guess you had 50% um, of what you need to do, like be comfortable on stage. You didn't need to work on that. So how did you, you. <laughs> work up, very welcome, <laughs> just telling the truth. Um, so how did you start practicing? Because there, there was no experience you can look back on being like, oh, this is what I've done last year. So this is what I'm going to do this year. Um, how did you and I guess Matt was your coach mm -hmm. um, start this journey? And what was your concept and what was your idea for the UK nationals? So for nationals, um it kind of came in stages. One big kick up the butt that I got was actually attending um, Specialty Coffee Expo in Boston, where I got to see, uh, you know, the, U the U.S. Brewers Nationals mm -hmm. happen. And that was where I saw, you know, my friend Alika, um, which whom you also know very well. Mm -hmm. um, we got to see him win. And 
watch, watching the process behind that, watching how, you know, his team got together and, and you know, how he tackled compulsory, how he tackled open, um, and as well as a lot of the other US competitors was kind of the thing that made me think, oh, okay, I need to, I need to get started. So that was in <laughs> March, April, <laughs> and then my nationals were in May this year. So that gave me just over a month to kind of go back and think, okay, how do I want to approach this? Um, I was also very lucky to be supported by Alpro at the time, you know, to, to train. I had access to uh, the space that I needed, to equipment that I needed. So I was already very privileged to be in a position um, that not a lot of competitors find themselves in, you know, to, to have access to the, all these things. Um, and then with uh, the compulsory approach, for example, I was working very closely off of what Matt did last year mm -hmm. um, for his worlds. Uh, and even then, like that was a culture shock and that was such a steep learning curve because nowhere else are you going to need to make eight air presses <laughs> back to back to back to back. <laughs> I remember thinking I never want to see another air press in my life. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just such a steep learning curve. Um, and then also one thing that I really struggled with, and I'm not sure if you struggled with this as well, um, was that because I didn't know what the judges were looking for, I didn't know what a good coffee was. Oh, yeah. So you never, you never know. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether or not that's for open or compulsory, you know, I would taste coffees and then Matt would ask me. Which, so which one of the many that you've made do you prefer? And I would pick one and he would be like, well, that one's a bit too dry. You should have chosen this one. And I'm like, mm. well, I can't taste it. Oh, okay. it was just, but this is, yeah. yeah, I would say this is a, a huge part of repetition, just like trying and trying and mm. trying and trying and trying. Because I um, met it for a very long time, I think, when he trained for his compulsory. Um, and I think the best thing that I took out of my practice was mm -hmm. it's not the intensity, it's the quality of the things that are on the score sheet. So for example, acidity and body get scored double. Um, mm. So it's not necessarily the coffee that has the most acidity on the table. Yeah, It is the coffee that has the most stable acidity yeah. during hot, warm and cold. And this was something that I luckily picked up very quickly and then it was for me becoming like a real for me the the most interesting part was that all of the coffees that I had and I had over I think people sent me over 30 kilos oh god <laughs> yeah I only drank sorry, for a month um and what I found very interesting was like I had like a street of 20 times AeroPress was the best and then all of a sudden I had coffees where my dripper was the best or then yeah. I had a couple where my clever was the best. And I was just like, like, like so many things in coffee, it was accepting that there is no right recipe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of recipes and a lot of coffees and being able to juggle this around and staying confident in yourself because you doubt yourself the whole time. You mm. constantly think like, I can't taste well. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Um, but yeah, I think that was the most interesting part for me this year, realizing like there's no right and there's no wrong. There's a lot of differences. And I think particularly with compulsory, and I'm sure you've realized this as well, is that the, it's always a moving target because you're performing exactly. relative to how everyone else is performing that year. 
Yeah. So if everyone's chosen an AeroPress, then how do you make yours stand out? You know, how do you make your coffee stand out? Do you choose a different method? Do you choose a different mm -hmm. recipe? It's just so, it's fascinating. And I think uh, the thing that drew me to brewers specifically was because there is this compulsory element where everyone mm -hmm. is on a level playing field. It's not just a, a race to see who has the best coffee or who has, or who performs the best on stage. You still have to have the skills to dial in, which I think yeah. is amazing. And it's half the fun. Actually, I think we need to do a little bit of callback because some of our listeners might not know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> we just what went is straight in. <laughs> um, so Sierra and I competed this year in the World Brewers Cup and the Brewers Cup has two parts of the competition. Um, the open service is the one that is a prestigious one and everyone sees it and you're on stage and you can use your own coffee that you probably sourced for $100,000. I don't know. Um <laughs> And where you can be worldly and where you can be charming. And um, then there's another element to the competition, which is called compulsory service. Everyone has different approaches on how to do it. If you want to have more information about how, for example, I did it, I wrote an article and you can find it on my website, nicolebatifat.com. And as we just heard, Sierra did a lot of error presses. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> eight. Eight error presses, yeah. I mean, I had, so I had eight error presses. And I think the the reason behind that was you don't want to spend time cleaning yeah. your AeroPresses. Ah, so yeah. there was just, but you didn't yeah. make eight AeroPresses. I came close some days. <laughs> <laughs> but did definitely. You use, did, but did you only use this run um, method, or did you also try drips and, and immersion? Definitely. Yeah, but I also had a drip version, and mm. um, yeah, for so my approach was to do a drip and an immersion because mm. you want to just cast a broad enough net to see which basic brewing method you're going to go for mm. and then kind of dial it in from there mm. um there there have been other brewers that I've used but I remember in the first couple of weeks of training I just never chose them it didn't matter what the coffee was mm. so then I was like okay maybe that's just not an approach I would go for maybe that's something that just doesn't yield a good it's, enough recipe yeah. or good enough yeah it's completely what happened to me with the clever dripper so I've used the clever mm. um, and I made it actually I made it a little bit more temperature stable by sticking a ton of insulation tape on it <laughs> I couldn't um, even see that but my clever drippers were I would nearly say 99% awful but there was this one brew in within like a lot of brews where I was like Oh, clever is the best. But and I get one out of 99, right? Yeah. And you're just like, mm. And I could just not risk not trying it because I'm like, what if it's the one? What if it's the one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get yeah. that. But I think that's almost like, that's something that I realized, which is that there is no bad brewer. In fact, it's probably like you as a brewer that hasn't hacked how to use the method. Yeah. And sometimes it does take, you know, the right coffee and the right water to line up and then the right grind size, blah, blah, blah. But then I, you know, intrinsically, it's not the brewer that's bad. No, um, it's not. Because otherwise it wouldn't be produced. Like the, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, within the constraints of however much time you have. And that's the thing with compulsory. What was it this year? It was 30 30, eight, th yeah, 30 minutes. 
Yeah. That, you know. <laughs> that and it sounds a lot. Like, people in the coffee shop are now like, 30 minutes to make a good cup of coffee. Like, come on. But it is quite quite draining, right? Because you do have the time where you have to make all of the coffees and you have to try all of the coffees and then you have to kind of, like, make a decision right on the spot. Mm-hmm. And the coffee that you do get was, I think this year, was um, seven. So it is... Oh extremely fresh it tastes mm-hmm. like grass and grains and unbalanced <laughs> and yeah you just have to find one of the methods that doesn't doesn't taste grassy or dusty or dry <laughs> exactly and i found another big challenge um for anyone wanting to get into a brewer's cup is that you find yourself it's like the feeling of cooking in someone else's kitchen because all of your equipment mm. is not your equipment right you have to use a grinder you have to use the sponsored water and even if you even if you train to the best of your ability, there are still some things that can throw you off. Like for me, it was the retention on the grinder that we had to use this year, mm. <laughs> and I was just there was so much coffee everywhere. Yeah. I, it threw me off. And did you have the possibility to get the grinder and train with it prior the competition? Uh, I did. I was very lucky to um, have used the same grinder for nationals. Mm-hmm. So I had already, you know, had exposure to that and could remember how to use it. And then uh, this time in Melbourne, um, I was very lucky to be able to train with Anna, who had mm-hmm. the sponsored grinder. So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So first of all, back to nationals. Um, so <laughs> compulsory went pretty good for you, mm-hmm. and your open service also went very good for you. Um, which coffee did you use, and what was your topic? So my topic was uh, very simple. It was just blending. It was just the idea mm. of, you know, a copy. Is more Sounds familiar. I did the same for nationals. <laughs> I think everybody did. And I think, that, <laughs> I think that's the best thing about like trends. You really see them pop up in, you know, in, in very, very little. Let's try that again. That's the thing about trends. You see them pop up. Um, very frequently, especially after a big competition and, and yeah. people just kind of build on past ideas um and my goal uh with nationals was not to do anything innovative or fancy it was just to serve good coffee and to win like i don't (laughs) you know and this is valuable insight because a lot of people ask like how is nationals different to worlds nationals i think should not be too crazy and i've had the experience Mm. myself for barista championship uh, in nationals where i and another competitor went with the experience from worlds or the like expectations from worlds and we did not succeed because it was too too worldsy i don't know how to say Mm. it (laughs) it was too complex it was too much um no i I, I would say yeah i would say for nationals also i would always like suggest Play it a bit safer. Don't go too crazy. Be mm-hmm. comfortable in what you're doing and do it really well. Yeah. And if you get your ticket for Worlds, then go all in and go beyond. But 100%. for nationals, just play it cool and play it safe. Yeah. So you used which coffee? So I used a blend of the Janssen Washed um from kai jansen and a santa maria natural from edwin santa maria and they were both panamanian geishas so already incredibly tasty coffees on their own but together oh man it was just amazing absolutely amazing how was it to win 
in your first go? Really freaking wild. Like, and I think it was just the idea that there were so many other incredible competitors. Um, Some of them I've known have competed for a long time. Yeah. So I don't know if I felt more of an imposter for winning or like less of an imposter for winning. It, it's, it's such a bizarre feeling um, because you wake up from one day to the next, you know, pre-winning and post-winning and you're still making coffees the same way. And yet <laughs> people are like, what is this magical thing you now do? You're you a unicorn. Know, you, <laughs> yeah, you infuse coffees of magic now. And it's like, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> mm. I still make very bad coffees from time to time. Um, but yeah, so that, that was completely, completely crazy. And I think it actually felt more intense at nationals than mm. I felt at Worlds. I don't know mm. if you felt the same. Well, I remember every time I did a competition for the very first time, I ended up surpri- very surprised about myself because I always scored very high or I won. And I, mm. I always felt like, huh, <laughs> okay. Oh. And then I might have gone back to the same competition. It only happened to me with Barista. So I came back to Barista four times. Um, I, so I did it four times. Once I placed second, it was the very first time. Then I placed third, and then I never, never made it again. Um, and I'd always felt like if I, the more I evolve and the more I try and the harder I train, the less I've got of this like luck. Because mm-hmm. I always felt like I was just lucky to win. It never felt like I deserved it. And mm. um, that was the weirdest part of it all. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to say this. Like Brewers Cup now, I think also with the years, I understood how to compete. And it took me a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time winning was just so freaking cool. So freaking good. It, it was just, yeah. And also, yeah, very impostery. We very much like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, you know, having having chats with people being like, what do I say to people who are really deep diving into the things that I'm doing and really dissecting, you know, mm-hmm. my method, my methodology and my brewing methods and all that kind of stuff. And all I can tell them is, you know, hey, I did this because the, t- the coffee tastes best mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. You know, and then especially in past years, when you watch people who have taken the world stage, there's always been this um name given to their innovation so for example mm. with um with emmy it was the gina drip like the gina dripper with matt it was blending with tetsu it was the four mm. six method and i just remember thinking like what would i bring to the world if entertainment I <laughs> <laughs> yes we can do totally not technical birth uh, birth, yeah. uh routines, right? i think we would so, really nail that that's <laughs> Yeah, but then it was just kind of like a, you know, how, you know, what would I bring to the world? And I think, um, like you said, I think brewers is also getting harder and harder each year. I think most competitions Mm. are um, because the standard of coffee is getting higher. Mm. Um, The price of coffee is getting higher. Uh, Yeah, like it, it, the, the frontier of what it means to make good coffee is just being pushed constantly. And sometimes Mm. it feels really hard to keep up, like. Yeah. Um, if, with this year, as I'm sure you you knew already, like you know, extract chilling came into play 
mm. um, at the Worlds last year for espresso and for barista, but then this year in Brewers with you know what Sasha was doing with the Paragon. So now that's just going to change brewing forever. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's 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 it feels always like there's um, a lot of things that are evolving, but at the same time, we don't quite know which which tale to chase. Like mm. because because yeah, you never know what the judges are looking for, um, and I think what I loved about this year's competition because I've been following the Brewers Cup for quite a long time, and I don't want to disrespect anyone, but as a viewer for many years, Brewers Cup was not exactly the most exciting competition. Um, it's very technical. It's very precise. And there's a lot of expl explaining, like, I take this shape of this thing because mm, it's, it's just not as entertaining usually. And then this year I felt like there's so many competitors that made it really fun and really entertaining that are great people person. And that just like brought that on stage. And I think that's, that's where I saw the competition evolved this year, just being mm. a little bit more personal, being more of presenting, being more entertaining. And I think that was very, very valuable for the competition in total. Um, and if you would ask me what you brought to the table, you definitely brought sunshine and happy vibes and like just oh. being able to just like being like people could not be afraid of you or they would they would know that they could come and ask you for a thing and you wouldn't overcomplicate it. And that's so valuable for the whole community because I'm constantly surrounded by people trying to talk at me about mm water about this about that you have to use this recipe you have to use that recipe you have to you have to you have to mm -hmm. and then there's there are a lot of the times when I respond and I'm like you know what I just do whatever feels right and what my guts tell me and they're so disappointed because they want to see numbers they want to see recipes they want to see all of those little details but coffee is not measurable to the extent of the experience 100%. and yeah, and I think that's what competitors like you and I definitely brought to the table this year. And this is why um, it was very valid that people like us compete and um, that we we came up there. But before we talk on, because we're constantly talking about the world, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to focus now on your journey. Like, how yeah. did you prep? How did you train? What was your day like? Because you traveled the world before oh, you even went to the other side of the world. Because um, I obviously stalked you on Instagram all of a summer. Because it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm competing against her. Damn. Oh, God. <laughs> um, what's she doing? What's she doing? And I just saw you hopping from coffee farm to coffee farm. And I was in, in stinky old hot Berlin. Um so you probably tasted some of the best coffees in the world. So how did you source your coffee and how did you find the coffee that you really wanted to present? So um, I was actually very lucky um, because after I won the Nationals, I left my job. So I left Alpro uh, for a new job and I'm more than happy to talk about that later because I'm super excited. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so then I was actually given three months gardening leave Mm -hmm. um so that just essentially equates to three months paid like I was 
basically paid to train and that I was, I will never have a situation like that ever again. I was incredibly lucky. I feel like I should caveat this. Um, <laughs> so like, so that's kind of what happened. It was just a, a crazy coincidence. So I ended up using July. So in June, I moved over to uh, Switzerland mm-hmm. and then in July, it was actually a, a slightly tough decision to make because I was like, well, I'm sacrificing a third of my training time. Like I'm mm-hmm. sacrificing one month to go gallivanting around the world. Is it really worth it? And then something just told me, look, like you're never going to have this experience again. Exactly. <laughs> just do it. So, you know, I YOLO'd and went and did it. Uh, so what happened was we went to Brazil, um, the Terra, one of the biggest, if not the biggest specialty farm, uh, specialty coffee farm in the world, was hosting uh, champions, uh, both local and uh, world's champions from last year. Uh, so I was uh, lucky to be able to tag along, um, pay for my flights, and, and then I paid for my flights and everything. So I was just like, just let me fit in on this stuff. <laughs> um, I promise I won't be, you know, in the way. So yeah. it was part of that. Um, and then we spent time in the Terra. And then after that, we went to um, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ecuador is a country very close to my heart and to Matt's heart because Matt won with a Katukai from Ecuador last year. So mm-hmm. it was just, you know, visiting farms that we had already had a relationship with. Um, and then we went to Colombia and that was where things got truly fascinating because, you know, these are, this is the home of some of the best farms in the world. Um, we got to visit, uh, you know, places like Immaculada and Micava, um, uh, Cafe Grania La Esperanza. So incredible farms. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> I decided to finish that off with a trip to Panama to see, um, my friends, Kai Jansen and Justin Budeman from Longboard Coffees. Uh, so that was kind of where the final puzzle piece fell into place for using mm-hmm. Justin's coffee at the Worlds eventually. Um, we had all of these incredible farms and coffees floating around. And it wasn't just to source coffee for this competition specifically, it was to develop and create a relationship with these producers, you know, so it, so that there was that sustainability in it. Um, but yeah, I think I've known Justin and Kai uh, for a little while now, and I just always got along on a personal level really, really well. So, you know, we kind of got back and we're tasting coffees. Um, and in fact, actually, the coffee that I ended up using, um, Lot 15 from Misty Mountain, was mm-hmm. the same coffee that Kai blended with one of his own coffees for the Panamanian Brewers Cup. So Kai himself, Kai Jansen, also took part in Brewers Cup this year for Panama. Um, you know, and as a producer uh, for him, it was just a great perspective into what competitors are looking for and what judges are looking for in a in a competition copy. Um, but then the fact that Lot 15 just kept popping up everywhere uh, from Justin really kind of drove home the fact that this was the coffee I was meant to use. Mm. And I think I've tried it. I think I got a dose from you and I cowboyed it in the hotel room in the morning. And I was like, yeah. damn. damn. <laughs> this, it, was a, it was one of the best coffees I've ever had. Like, no. Oh, thank you. That's because Agnieszka also used Longboard. And mm-hmm. um, it is 
incredible what this farm did with those coffees. It's just like so clean, so full-bodied, so fruity, so layered, so complex, so everything. I love mm. everything about these coffees. Um, and, yeah, would have probably chosen the same if I had the chance to do it. Um, but, yeah, so great choice on coffee. Um, and you did a blend. Or did you use it single? It was a single. It was um, just a single. Also on stage it was yeah. a single, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So you got your coffee and then you came back to Zurich and you started training, right? Yeah. No, so we, you know, so we were dialing in this coffee and I just remember thinking, you know, and this was the, this was maybe the last month and a half before we flew. Mm. Um, and I just remember thinking, especially after everyone was blending for nationals this year and blending for the world last year, mm. I was like, am I sure I want to take a single microlot mm. to worlds? Mm. Like, this just feels too simple. I don't know. This is going to be, you know, complex enough, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, with what you've mentioned about Justin's coffee, it, it is so complex mm. and it is so clean and gorgeous. Um, mm. And that was another thing, actually, that I was slightly worried about, which was like the, you know, the, the idea that it was so clean for a natural because it was a natural geisha. I was like, well... I don't know if the judges have historically ever favored cleaner coffees on the world stage. So that was also, a, I think, a bit more of a calculated risk for us, mm. but one that I was very happy to take with this coffee. So, yeah. And did you, um, did you choose your method right away? Like, did you knew, like, I feel really comfortable with using the Harriers. You used metal Harriers, right? No, I didn't. And this was the best bit. Oh, God. Because... What did you use? <laughs> no, it's because, so basically at Nationals, mm -hmm. you know, like we, like we both said, you know, the, the goal is to win. For, for a lot of people, the goal is to win. Mm -hmm. So I had just used the tried and tested method. I knew that I knew how to use the Metal V60. I, I knew that I liked the taste profile. But everything else, you know, the, the way the coffee was dialed in, the grinder, the water, a lot of that was with Matt's influence and Matt's help. So when I won, literally the first thing I did was I turned to him and I was like, right, I'm not bringing, I'm not bringing the same method. I'm not bringing your grinder. Like, I don't want to do anything that you've done. <laughs> and okay. he was like, okay, babe. <laughs> and, you know, and because I don't want, on a personal level, I definitely don't want people to say that, I won only because of Matt. Like, I think that's yeah. usually an accusation or a suggestion that's leveled on a lot of women, which I really dislike. Um, but then the other thing was also in the spirit of innovation and of trying something new, I just wanted to do something completely my own. So I ended up taking the flower dripper from Cafec. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, and that was because last year I had tried Daiki's coffee from Japan. Uh -huh. And that was probably my favorite coffee ever, 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 ever. Oh. Like he made it for us again at Brazil, in Brazil this year when we were all at Deterra. And I just remember just being there, super stunned by it, being like, okay, this is probably not even the cop roast anymore. Like he just cowboyed it with a bit of like, he did this thing with the kettle where he did the first two pours on a set temperature. And then he just like opened the lid and just jumped dumped like a glass of cold water in it 
Mm. He didn't even check the temperature. And then he just kept brewing. And I was like, Daiki, this is incredible. <laughs> um, and then I was like, can I have that dripper? Um, and Daiki is the Catholic ambassador for Japan. So he just sent me some. And that was really just when we started playing with different drippers. So mm. I tried um, I tried the Orea. I tried the Metal V60. I tried the flower and that was a I tried the Kono as well actually so mm -hmm. um that was when we decided we decided on the flower pretty much like the week of the week of the competition the week of the competition yeah <laughs> yeah well that's really really cool um what during your prep time do you think was the most difficult thing for you As in, in the months leading up? Yeah. Um, just not knowing where yeah. I stood. Like, and I think now that I've had at least one comp behind me, yeah, you can look back and see, like, ah, okay. This is not just where I stand, but you know, kind of the, the level of work to expect for, you know, the world's next year or any competition in future. Mm. Um, but I just remember I was just working and working and working. I, you know, I did two compulsory runs a day for like two months. It was horrible. <laughs> it was, it was really tough. And you, you know, and there are days when you go up and you're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I don't knock anything over. And then there are days where you knock everything over, um, you know, or you go over time or whatever. Um, so I just didn't know where I stood. I didn't know what I was doing right or doing wrong in relation to other people. And I think one of the things that people keep telling me is, well, you're not competing against other people, you're competing against yourself, but it's still hard. <laughs> you're also competing <laughs> against the other people. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, but you are competing. <laughs> I just remember... Yeah. Like after I won nationals, I just saw all of these other competitors winning, like Ben Port, like Swanika, you, Agnieszka. I was just like, oh dear. This, this year, oh dear. this year was stiff. It was really, yeah. really tough. It was, um, it was, it was a tough year. <laughs> it was a tough. <laughs> for many, it was many a tough years. year for everyone who I also said now. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, so, let's go to to Australia. Um, You flew in a week before, right? Mm -hmm. And all of your luggage went through, <laughs> yes. oh, which yeah. is very lucky because um, a lot oh, of competitors yeah. didn't have the same luck. I think it was the worst for a couple of the barista co competitors oh. because their luggage um, didn't make it or got hauled back in customs. And I feel that it's not spoken about like to the extent of how emotionally draining this year's competition was due to the fact that there was so many difficulties with border and with um, visas and with luggage and yeah. that this basically was one of the reasons why a couple of people just didn't make it through to to a better placement because they had nothing like um, the polish person competitor she literally had zero equipment um, all she had was her coffee and um, it is very, 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 very difficult to hold it in a country that's on the other side of the world. On the other side, it was beautiful to be in Australia because mm. it had so many chirps for its people. 
for mm-hmm. its incredible coffee scene and for all of the shops that opened their doors so that we could be able to train there. You and me, we um, went on the office of Honor, Melbourne, mm-hmm. and they had a training space. So I saw you already clocked in like a week before me and you had the time and the people and the support to brew your coffee there and to go over the flavor notes again and everything and yeah. use the sponsor equipment. Um, and I think you also had a couple of days to arrive and to unwind. Oh, yeah. How was it for you before the competition? Like immediately, like the couple of days that are leading up to it? Um, honestly, I was just so ready to go. Mm. Um, and that was such a different energy from what actually happened during the competition, which we may or may not go into. (laughs) (laughs) But the days before, and I think that's something that I want to keep for future comps, which is just, just that like joy of pursuit. Mm. Like I was just so fiercely joyful to Mm. be able to do this, to do this for a living, to, you know, to be around people who, because we are competitors, want to push for better. Like whether mm. it's from ourselves, whether it's like learning something new every day, like just to be in the energy of like people who want more from each other. Like that was just so fun to be surrounded by, um, you know, and I'm not saying that it wasn't hard. It certainly was very hard. But leading up, it was just more like making sure that my mental health was on point, making sure that I trained hard and then relaxed even harder. (laughs) (laughs) Relax really hard. (laughs) Relax really hard into the bed. Um, You know, so it was stuff like that. And then getting to see people as well, like, you know, making sure that there was a social element to, to the cops as well. So it always sounds so cheesy like saying like you meet your coffee family but it truly is like that it's like you meet all of your cousins and 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 aunts and uncles in these conventions it feels like obviously i don't Uh, but um like meeting all of the great coffee people that you have sometimes like somehow a connection to all and they're all in one space yeah and not chatted around the world it's it's weird and it's like amazing and it makes you kind of like addicted to going to the world coffee events as well because like even if you're just being there as a visitor because before i competed i remember i went to like dublin and budapest and a couple of other competitions just to just to watch Mm. and it's a great vibe and it's a great atmosphere and, and that's yeah. the thing that makes me wish I'd started sooner. Like even just attending, mm. like mm. you say, you know. Mm. So. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely worth it. Just attending the shows. It's it's so great. It's so cool. Um, and then you were in the second group. So this year's um, Bruce Cup competition. Um, after a very long and full of questions, um, questionnaire talk that we had, like the competitive yeah. meeting. <laughs> That was, that was that was difficult um, was we figured hard. out whose group is on at what time and then we could settle that um mm-hmm. and i was on on group one on day one and you were group two right no no i was on the same day as you oh you were on same day. Day. Oh, sorry. i was just super just late like... in the afternoon yeah uh, yeah okay yeah you were super late yeah okay i just saw your stuff there but then i didn't see you so i was like oh maybe she's on tomorrow Mm -hmm. but also in this competition for all of the listeners like it's hard to keep an overview because there's like over 30 people in this room and 
you should really try to focus on yourself. And yeah. um, on the first day, we had 30 minutes time to practice with our compulsory coffee. Um, I found it very interesting. I found it very found it very interesting that um, the 30 minutes was on one day and then your actual, the way, the time that you do your compulsory is on the second day. Because for me, what happened was I made the coffees, I decided on it and then I, the 30 minutes were over and then I went to Jordan and I had a little bit left and I was like, it's all shit, everything's shit, I'm shit, it's going to be terrible. No. This is what happens no. to me. Because <laughs> you had the time to think about it and to worry about it. Oh, man. Um, did you have the same? Was it just me? Exactly the same. Oh, I, and like, I I was very grateful that I was the last one of that day, but still mm -hmm. I was like, you know, shitting myself because I was watching everyone do their runs and I was just like, oh God. Um, <laughs> and the, the interesting thing is that this hasn't been done. I'm not sure when this was last done in previous years, in but Boston. this is so in Boston okay mm -hmm. but this was so different to for example last year where mm -hmm. because of COVID protocols um you have to do the full uh, 45 minute run so eight and 30 and then seven mm -hmm. um and I I did that format at my nationals and I actually think I preferred it because yeah me too yeah yeah because you you have a different technique you have a different yeah uh, and you just don't have time to think so, yeah and yeah. it gives it, it and it helps you to I don't know like it's that's a it's a top tip for every person who wants to do compulsory, um because mm. coffee is so fresh, mm -hmm. lots of the competitors actually ground everything as soon as they get the bag, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because then it has time to degas and I've always trained with this technique so I always mm -hmm. had my coffee that I then chose that was already thirty minutes degas and I, and mm -hmm. we couldn't do this this time because I was like oh, damn it yeah I know it was uh, like eight minutes all right here we go. <laughs> Mm, degas now <laughs> oh, exactly. shake it like a cocktail shaker um, <laughs> but the other interesting thing that I I found was because this was split across what was it three days four days in the end you had these two competitors and two groups and the way that coffee ages day to day mm. makes such a huge difference in in terms of how the final cup is perceived so for uh, what I suspect happened and this is def this definitely falls into the conspiracy theory area. So <laughs> please take it with a pinch of salt. But like you know, the, the coffee wasn't as open for the first group, aka you and me and some other people, as it was for people in the the second group. So that was very interesting to have to account for. Mm. Um, and it was also interesting that it wasn't. I'm not sure if it was accounted for on the judges' end as well. You know, like and that one or two points in compulsory, as you know, makes such a huge difference. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that was something that was playing on my mind a lot. But I was like, hey, it's out of my hands now. It's not. Mm. It's not my problem. I need to just do the best that I can. So mm. yeah, it's also like if you have these issues and you know beforehand and you know it's going to affect it, you like. I think the the, the best is just to not let it get into your head and not yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to be worse than people tomorrow because their coffee is be aged better and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's the thing that happened. Um, <laughs> and then the next day um, was scheduled that, or I don't know how it was for you because I had my compulsory first on stage and then I had my open service on stage. Was it the same for you or did you have open first and then compulsory? 
So I had compulsory first and then it was. Oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. So both of us had the same thing. And um, how was it? How it was, was a it? train. It was a train wreck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but I think on the day I was just an absolute car crash. Um, yeah, no. So my compulsory basically. And, and that's kind of why, you know, uh, I think I fell into this fallacy of thinking just because I train super hard and I train more than other people means I deserve to do well. Mm. And that's not something that often happens. Like there's no causation whatsoever, you mm. know. And basically what had happened on stage was one of my AeroPress papers, I ended up choosing the AeroPress. Mm. One of my AeroPress papers slipped on stage. Mm. And I didn't catch it in time. So and that was the one thing. Yeah, no, so then all the grounds went through and it was an absolute train wreck. Um, but then that was the one outcome in all of the months of training I did that I never practiced. The one thing I hadn't practiced in two months happened. Um, and I panicked. And that was really the, the only thing that can be said. And I kind of went back and I, I thought about it. And was just like, you know, what could I have done to avoid it apart from actually train this outcome? But then I realized that most times you're never going to be put in a position where you're on stage and freaking the hell out, you know, and so many people are watching you. That's the bit that's super hard to practice, not the not the actual making of coffee. So that's something that I wanted to incorporate into my training sessions next year, which is to just in, like include a fuck up. Sorry, am I allowed to, <laughs> to swear on this definitely, podcast? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Drop as many bombs as you want. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to swear. Um, but yeah, just to include like a fuck up to include in every training session. So for example, knock one AeroPress over or you forget to heat up your water. So then you kind of know what you're training for. Um, but yeah, that but was what happened to me. In to be honest, your compulsory score is not the worst. I know, and that's what really surprised me. <laughs> I thought I was going to come dead last. Yeah, no, your compulsory score is compared to the other people. Like, this year's compulsory got scored really low, to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. But was not excellent, but considering, like, one of your coffees wasn't judgeable, still quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was just kind of, it was a miracle that I even got scored the way that I did. I really should have been like DQ'd for a cup or something but it was just uh, yeah and I it's not even like it makes a difference like mm -hmm. I think after I walked off that stage knowing that I had cost myself you know a position in the finals and for list for the listeners uh Brewer's Cup is absolutely brutal in the way that it cuts down the competitors so there's you go from like a pool of 30 or 32 to six there's no semis you just go straight from prelims to finals so mm. I knew that with that mistake I walked off being like yep that's it like that was the end mm. um and then you so, still had to go to open service and like oh my god yes mm. <laughs> oh yeah I that was the that was genuinely the hardest maybe four hours um I've had in a long, long time. Um, and, you know, it was just the idea that, and because I don't take losing or doing badly well, I was just so ready to be like, I don't want to go on stage anymore. Like, there's literally no point. I don't want to do it. Um, you know, and people have to kind of sit me down and go, 
you have to just leave everything on that stage right now. Like how would people feel, how would Justin feel if you didn't go up and present his coffee? Like you've worked on this for months. Mm. How would you feel like that you didn't get a chance to share this incredible coffee? So that was the energy I had to take up on stage. Um, I hope it didn't show <laughs> I was just not in a good headspace. Um, but I did, you know, take that advice to heart and leave everything up there. So, well, I think your open service looked fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. I think it really came across what what this means to you. Also, I think you could see on stage that there was a journey that you went through with like going to the farms, meeting all of these people. Like there was there was a different barista standing on stage and you would have been like a, like a year ago um which was really really nice to see and then we got scored and then we were all like oh and then <laughs> oh man and then we were like oh we didn't make it once but um Like, I'm also looking at your other score now. Like, your open score is really high. Like, it's not... You could have... very you relative. Have, yeah, you could have... You could have... Yeah, you, if you wouldn't have done the AeroPress thingy. Wait, so for... Sorry, for compulsory or... No, sorry, for open. Yeah, your open, your open scores are pretty okay. Yeah, but it just wasn't like... So I think that was the thing that ended up happening. And I'm sure it was the mm. case for a lot of competitors um this year but it I mean, yeah. became a, I mean I think this year all of us had to be really brave looking at this course because we did. um because we did all get scored very low and it was the lowest scoring Burris Cup Ever. in a long time but, <laughs> um yeah. and yeah we didn't we didn't expect it because We all know the range of competitors that competed and the years go on and the process that we do. Mm -hmm. And knowing that the coffees constantly get better, it's um, hard after a year to invest all this time and money into a coffee that you know should be better or should score yeah. better than the one the year before because you've got experience. Yeah. It's like either competitors like me or Anjushka or Lex that have the experience or you who have like an incredibly experienced team around you. Um, And then actually getting scored lower than you were before. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the thing that it, it wasn't, you know, and I think I've made peace with it now. I'm sure a mm. lot of people have. It was just the idea that what we served wasn't what the judges tasted. And that's the, that's the thing that's hardest to reconcile because no one can prove anything. But it was just the idea that, like, oh, I know this coffee inside out. I've been dialing it in for months. And I know it's incredible. You know, and that's just such a shame. And I think, but that's just kind of how comps work, um, which is the thing yeah. that at the hardest lesson I had. To well, learn not always. Year. They don't always work like this because you and no. I have <laughs> the same table descriptors, um, although we've used completely different coffees, which is quite yeah. rare. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think after the debrief, we were all quite crushed. Yeah. What I thought was very sad to hear was a lot of competitors said they never want to compete again. Um, And yeah. I don't think that's the right way to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think if there's something where you think it didn't work out the way it should have, try to make it better. Um, yeah. So, 
I have already heard that you still want to compete, which yeah. I find is incredible because doing so well in your first competition, you would be just so stupid to not do it again. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I would be told off by so many people. Um, that, would be, that would just be incredibly stupid from you, so don't do that. Um, I think I've I've shared a lot of um, my pain and my struggles over the last couple of years. So the mm. way that I'm going to contribute to this topic is uh, not as a competitor anymore, or not for now. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe I do cup tastes because you only need a spoon and you have no judges. Yeah, and <laughs> isn't it great? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually want to go into judging because there are so few judges yeah mm -hmm. which I've actually realized because um we or I have always been judged in Europe and it was always really cool because in Europe we have a lot of judges I feel like although we already already not too many um but yeah going to the other side of the world realizing there's even fewer judges um yeah the only way how we can solve this problem is um make the industry better and and um don't give up I think that's the that's the big thing that we learned out of this year's competition don't give up <laughs> yeah I, yeah like I think that was the thing like I knew that this wasn't this year wasn't an accurate representation of what I could do and mm. maybe you know future years might have very similar outcomes but like I feel like it would be silly if I didn't try to just narrow that gap between what I know I can do and what the judges see and what mm. the judges pay so that was really it mm. But like I, yeah, no, I mean, and what you said about judging, I think I've also heard a lot of competitors in that same circuit. And I've actually met a couple of um, uh, competitors turned judges, uh, especially in the last week when I visited Singapore, um, my home country. Mm. And it's just, it's fascinating because then you get that perspective as a competitor mm. and you know what a good competition coffee is. And now you get to apply, oh, this is the score sheet and how well does what I serve fit the score sheet and that can only ever help to narrow that gap between competitor and judge which I think is amazing so thank you for doing that I also think that a lot of competitors should should like really look into it because like we are the people that put in the effort that put in the time that cup coffees month after month for day and day and day and then find those recipes and try it again and again and again and there's very few people that spend so much time just dedicating to to trying and trying and trying again um, mm -hmm. that I think we're actually way more skilled than we let like that that than we think we are like I think a lot of us have such a yeah, huge respect or they're scared of the judges but actually like we are we are great we know what we, we're talking about like yeah. yeah. And it is about having fun on stage and sharing this passion throughout the competition with other people. Um, I saw that very few people um, actually like went to the brew bar this year. So every year there's a brew bar yeah. where you serve your coffees. And it was a little bit sad to see that a couple of competitors just stood there and there were like three or four people trying maybe their coffee. Um, but yeah, make it make it entertaining, make it big, make it make it emotional, so that we can because that's I think that's what, or at least that's what I hear. That's what we all want to do. We love coffee and we want to communicate it. Um, but we will not succeed if 
we're not pushing and that's exactly right so you you keep pushing by competing again by pushing yourself by by not giving up um and others by going to conventions still and giving talks and doing all of this and i think it's really really important um i am curious i've got one more question for you yeah. what is a lesson that you found super hard to stomach but has gotten easier over the years as you've competed um so i had a competition in 2020 where i competed and um at the time i lived in australia and it was the first time i traveled for a competition so it was german nationals and it was a lot of money involved mm. to buy the tickets i had coffee from honor i've actually used the coffee that uh, anjeska used in the world burst cup uh, in the world burst cup uh, oh god the world burst championship <laughs> uh, when she won in 2018 um I had a great team around me. I had great feedback. Um, I went above and beyond. I had my whole kitchen was in full of ferments the whole time because my topic, um, my concept was uh, fermentation. And I traveled to Germany and had to redo all of my ferments because of the travel and went to this competition and competed my heart out, I would say. And um I spilled a, a beverage and cleaned it all up in with time, redid it in, in within the time, still finished under 15 minutes and was just like, all right, that was a bit rocky. I might not win, but I think I'm still pretty good. And then, and then I got judged and I placed sixth after, after a person had served vanilla ice cream and espresso. And... <sighs> I just didn't understand the world anymore. I was so shocked. I was I was so shocked that I went when I went to the hotel. Um, I woke up and I just started crying and I couldn't stop. And it was hysterical crying and I didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. It just like as if like the floor underneath me went away. Mm -hmm. It was the most emotional draining. And I, I couldn't stop crying for two full days. I was just a wreck. Um, to the point where you're just like, I don't want to cry, but I can't stop. And I can't <laughs> stop the, <laughs> yeah. Like as soon as I opened my mouth, I was just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and the saddest thing of it was in the debrief, the, the head judge, because we had so many questions. She's just like, don't talk to me like this because we were just like, this doesn't really make sense on the score sheet. And she was just like, oh, and then very abruptly, she just said, oh, your time is up. You have to go now. Oh. And we were just like, what? No. Um, Give me some closure. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was really, I, I can only say that was very scarring for me back then. And um, this is why this year when I went to the debrief, I just saw, because this year I really, really tried to focus on customer service and I don't know how to do better. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, like, if you wanted to do better, like, I have to do a handstand and serve you my coffee <laughs> feet. I don't know what to do. Um, but I got an 8.5 for customer service from one of the judges and I saw this and this was just like a slap in the face for me. I know 8.5 is still excellent. But, no, but, I, but I also know like, I just, what... Yeah, yeah. No, that's and not I was just like so, so, so worked my ass off for this, and I just mm. immediately started <laughs> again. Oh, <babe. laughs> and I, oh. 
went out and um, had a bit of a cry. But the, the amount of crying was obviously way less because I was just like, hang on a second. This already happened to me. I know that this is going to be hurtful and sad right now, but it's going to go over. And things like this just happen. And complaining now or crying about it is not going to change the fact that it happened. Mm-hmm. And living with something that you can't change afterwards was the hardest thing for me to realize. Like once you step off this stage, it's done. Yeah. There's no possibility for you to ever complain about a decision that has been made on the stage, even if this decision was wrong. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing for me for the first time to accept. And now it's just getting easier and easier. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that happened again. I already knew how it was. And I know that does, that doesn't define who I am as a person. It doesn't define who I am as a competitor. And it doesn't define who I am as a coffee professional because I can still be a great person and share coffee and share knowledge, even if mm. a couple of people that were supposed to judge me didn't think so on that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, um, the hardest thing. And then, yeah, the most emotional thing. And that was for me back then, that was the decision that I will never, ever compete in barista again. Mm-hmm. And I haven't since then. And, um, the, the, this experience was just too bad. Also with the, um, with the personal interaction with this judge, she was just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opened other doors for me because I started competing in um, Coffee and Good Spirits. And mm-hmm. I made it to the world's finals that year. And I oh, know that was the other year. Don't you I can't remember. <laughs> there was a competition that I did and it didn't work out. And then, oh, no, that's where I decided to do Bruce. That's it. Mm. So, yeah. Did Barista for the last time in 2020 and then I did Burris in 2021 and then uh, that was all really successful. So (laughs) out of every bad thing, there's always a very good thing that happens out of it. So because I, in myself, because you said the word earlier, I lost so bad, but there was no losing. It was like a different placement Um, because I lost so bad in this competition in Barista. I decided to do Burris and I did really well in this. Mm. And now coming out of this world competition being like, oh, I still didn't make it to finals. Um, that means maybe there's another big golden door that's in front of me that I just have to go through. And then I have another great experience under my belt being like, wow, this was actually quite good that I didn't do so well there because I went and explored another field. Yeah. For example. So also the even, even the worst situations that, that really hurt at the time are usually for the better if you don't give up if you don't say i don't want to do coffee ever again or i don't ever want to compete again Mm. yeah that's no that's super inspiring like i think what you mentioned about how emotional it is like the emotional toll that it takes on competitors every year like and that's why i respect the people who go at it again and again and again like after Mm. the year i just wasn't sure that i wanted to again because i was like my poor heart i don't know if i can take this (laughs) (laughs) um but it you know just being surrounded by people who are like nope you've got more in you you can do it again let's go is just the best feeling in the world yeah definitely and you've got so much support like how many people came up to you and be like you were one of the favorites as a first-time competitor like 
that's already like fantastic how many people messaged you afterwards being like you inspired me you really like i really like enjoyed watching you a thousand things happened to you and my my um i achieved like making alika cry i and if he hears this he's gonna say it's not true but i know it's true (laughs) uh, he told me well he told someone backstage he was like yeah Sarah uh, expends so much energy. I don't know how she, I don't know where she puts it or something like that. (laughs) Uh, And that was hilarious to hear. And that's my achievement. I walked away knowing I did that. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how we all take our like little trophies that are very emotional with us. Yeah. And I also want to add one last thing, which is that I think watching you compete and what you bring to the stage um I think really pins down a very elusive thing that I wanted to bring to my routines as well which is the idea of like charisma and I think because Brewers the competition we chose to do can be so technical I just Mm. haven't seen anyone else before really do a routine the way I had done it which is to like to charm the socks off people like that was just my goal yeah. yeah you know and I'm so glad to be able to you know like like what you said people kind of messaged me after and they were just like I've never seen a routine like yours before and that's so great like because it just shows you that you can do coffee differently mm. as like I don't think I could have done a super technical routine because I, I would have probably bored people to death but mm. you know I could have made coffee exciting and inspiring and I think that that's what you did as well with your routines and you're such an inspiration so oh thank you (laughs) oh that's very nice (laughs) well if you ever want to do coffee in good spirits (laughs) (laughs) alcohol here I come (laughs) Uh, I don't know shit about alcohol so I maybe I should compete just to go and learn yeah yeah that's always (laughs) that's always the best I've I've told the story a thousand times, but the first time I compete in coffee and good spirits, I hold the shaker upside down because I had no clue what I'm doing. Um, no. Yeah, and it still worked, kind of. Great. You would have just invented a new style of shaking and had to roll with it. Uh, so, what are your plans now? What do you work as now? What are you doing in Zurich? What's your future like? I get to talk about this I'm so excited I had to keep it hush for a long time (laughs) um but I am now the new research assistant at the Zurich University of Applied Frankfurt (gasps) what (laughs) oh my god it's pretty fucking wild so jealous now that's amazing oh congratulations happy and lucky thank you thank you so much um so I get to uh, work with the coffee team, uh, you know, with absolute legends in the field like Chahan and Samo and Sabine and Marco, you know, Sebastian, just incredible people who know so much about coffee mm. um, and, you know, are at the frontier of some of the, the most forefront coffee science in the world. There's only one other, to my knowledge, uh, university that has a similar uh, facility and does you know coffee research the way we do so now I get to join you know and just be a fly on the wall with this team and I'm so excited so this is my third day of work (laughs) (laughs) so far um and yeah that's now my job and I can't believe I get to say that that is that is seriously incredible I am so jelly um 
It sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You're going to learn so much. Yeah. And I'm also going to like ask all the right questions and yeah. get to bring them to like, you know, to competitions and get to bring exactly. them to my daily brewing. It's, it's just, oh, I just love learning. It's incredible. Yeah. You're going to, if you continue going this way, you're going to smash it. You're going to, yeah. Thank you. Seriously. Wow. This is, this is really, oh, so excited. <laughs> you have to come and visit like yes. I, you, you oh know you're not even yes. that far away like <laughs> yeah I yeah please 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 come and visit and I'd love to I think with the work that we do um I think there's often quite a disconnect between you know the very theoretical side of uh coffee geekery and it's great in its own way there's so many coffee geeks out there in the internet and you know in the world but then to really apply the principles of the things people are interested in to actual brewing and actual mm. coffee that people have to actually drink and enjoy uh, is is kind of where I would love to bridge that gap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and know. also communicating the the um, studies that you do because yeah. I always read about them and then I always think like oh, I would love that someone dumbs it down for me. <laughs> make it a little bit more digestible, wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of, because uh, like I see these big papers and I start reading them and I'm like, oh, I lost my train of thought already. Yeah. Um, and I think you're a great person to do that, to like communicate these incredible researches and to make them digestible. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always loved coffee being about accessibility. Like I, yeah. I think there's this weird mark of, what's the term? It's on the back. It's, a, it's on the tip of my tongue. It, it's like there's this weird group or like rite of passage that you have to, you know, know how to speak in coffee geekery in order mm. to be considered a real coffee professional. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, no, a lot of because people talk simple. to me like this the whole time, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, ask me about PPMs and about like you know gas chromatography, and I'm just like, dude. We can make this simpler, and the more simple it is, the yeah. more people will be able to enjoy it. Exactly. Make it more accessible. Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's really, really, really cool. Um, so when do, we see me, when do we see you on stage next time? So um, the, I'm not sure when the next Nationals is. So right now I have the absolute privilege of defending my title. That will mm. probably be in early uh, 2023, so January to March, because um, the next world is happening in Athens in uh, June, I believe. Mm. So it'll be before then. In uh, Brewers as well, or just in Barista and Lutland? I think it's uh, Brewers and Barista. Uh, and one other comp, I'm not sure which one. Oh. The other oh. that's, that's good to know. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to see you there anyway, yeah. but I hope to see you there on stage, maybe not being an MC. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I love that I get to enjoy the world either way. I'm just like, I can go as an MC yeah, exactly. or I'll go as a champion. I really yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Um, Sarah, it's been over an hour. <laughs> I knew it was gonna I was like yeah we're gonna chat we're gonna have a good talk <laughs> but no um, thank you for having me yeah thank you for being on this it, it's funny that like I have you now on the podcast I had Matt on the podcast I had Vendelina's very first <laughs> I feel like it's it's a big family podcast <laughs> it is. I can't wait to hear like 
or listen to the podcast from like other competitors as well like it's yeah. just such a joy such a joy yeah um it is time to say goodbye and to wrap it up thank you so much for being my guest and i hope yeah i i wish you like the best first couple of weeks at your work um very very grateful that you came on the show and um yeah anything else you want to say because otherwise i'm just gonna say bye now don't screw up your compulsory (laughs) (laughs) those are my final words (laughs) and with those words we're gonna say bye thank you bye bye At this point, I would like to thank Rancilia Group Germany again for supporting this podcast. And for me, this episode was really private and really personal. Um, obviously, world championships are very hard work. They're very emotional. And if you want to know more about how I um, was preparing for this competition, I have made a video on my YouTube channel so you can have some insights on how long people train and how devastating it sometimes is to get a feedback that you just don't want to hear. But that is the competition. The challenge is it is a game and you don't always win this game and that's fine because we win so much in being on the stage and meeting all of these amazing people. Without this competition, I wouldn't be where I'm. I wouldn't know the people that I know now. I wouldn't be able to travel the world. So... Even if it is a hard journey sometimes, it's definitely worth it. Um, if you think maybe you've hit a wall and um, that things have gone in a way that you don't agree with, please don't close yourself up. Please don't say, I don't want to do this anymore, I think. The right way to do this is to go and make it better. So if you don't like any of the rules, for example, for the SA competitions, just go in, you can volunteer for the SCA um, and you can change the rules in the board together. Um, and if you feel like you could be a better judge, then why don't you start preparing to be a judge? All you need to do is do a th- three times shadow judging in your own nationals And then you will learn so much. It will automatically make you a better coffee professional. Um, This is a long rant at the end. Thank you so much for still listening to me. Thank you so much, Sierra, for being my guest. It was an absolute honor and pleasure. And I cannot wait to see you next time on stage because you are going to be amazing. You are an absolute rock star in the making. Thank you so much for everyone who's listening. And we'll hear you next time. Bye.